0: So blessed by all of you. Um, Yeah, so uh, so if you didn't know, there's a vote happening later, after the worship service. Um, And just to let you know, it's going to be like 10 minutes after the worship service, so there will be a little break. You can get some donuts and coffee. If you have kids, please go get your kids right away, because we want to make sure that the children's ministry volunteers get back in here for the vote. So that was what we ask of you. Um, But, yeah. So let's, God's word. I'm going to start you with a word association game today. Okay, are you ready for this? What is the first thing, and you can you can say it. Maybe you don't want to say it out loud, but you can say it out loud. What is the first thing that pops into your mind when I say stress? Work. <laughs> Life. What did you say? School. school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same. We got another vote for school. Yes. Busy schedules. Busyness. Yeah. yeah. Stress. A lot of things that stress us out. Well, please turn with me to your Bibles to Ephesians five. Let's this over right here. Ephesians five, verse one. We've been going through um, Ephesians. This is our last Sunday in Ephesians. As you're turning to Ephesians 5, I'm going to do a little recap for you. Some of you could probably do it by now yourselves. But as we've been studying Ephesians, we know that Ephesians is all about the church and who we are as the church and what God has done for us and who he has created us to be. Paul describes us as... Kind of like zombies before Christ. That we're dead in our sins. And we're just driven by our desires and our insecurities. Whether those be desires for acceptance or importance or success. Or or maybe for love or material things or for pleasures. We just have these cravings that are never satisfied. That just drive us. But thanks be to God who wakens us up. From that zombie life. And he wakes us up from just living for ourselves. And and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he died to pay the price for our selfish living. And he reconciles us to the Father. And the Father gives us all these spiritual blessings, including the Holy Spirit. Especially the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. Who comes and lives inside us and breathes life into us. Things like joy and peace and contentment. One of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit, contentment. But the Spirit also empowers us with gifts and abilities to do good things, good works that God the Father prepared for us even before we were born. And when we studied Ephesians 6, we learned that we are to go about doing these good things and being a light in a world in a way where we submit to one another instead of stepping on one another. And that submission, it's not about forcing people to do what we think they should do because we know what's best. No, submission is about choosing. It's about choosing to honor and serve and lift up others even as they choose to honor and serve and lift up us. And Paul paints this very radical picture in Ephesians where you have this zombie infested world and yet the body of Christ is building one another up submitting, exalting, building one another up and as they build one another up they are a light to the world and that's the picture we have in Ephesians all right I'm looking at my notes. So sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, all the times I print out my sermon at home, and then I like to conserve paper, so I flip it over and write. So this is last week's sermon, and this is today's sermon. (laughs) And if I don't have my print pages in the right order, I get very confused. So that is. I am so sorry, this is like all backwards. There we go. OK, Ephesians five verse one. Um, we've gone through all of Ephesians, but I kind of skimmed over the first half of chapter five, and I promised you we'd come back to it. So that's what we're doing. We're going to read Ephesians 5: 1 through 18. The words are not on your screen because we want you to get familiar with your Bible, whether that's a Bible on your phone or a Bible in a pew, um, but we want you to get familiar with your own Bible. OK. Nor should there be any obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath is coming on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the life consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But in everything, expose but everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is the light that makes everything visible That is why it is said wake up. O sleeper rise from the dead and christ will shine on you Be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil Therefore do not be foolish but understand what god's will is do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we read chapter 1, there is an unstated problem that's lingering there. The problem is that Paul shouldn't have to write chapter 5. If everything he said is true, if we've been awakened from this zombie life and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be light to the world, then he shouldn't have to write to Christians and tell them things like don't get drunk on wine and, you know, engage in sexual immorality and stuff like that. The problem with chapter 5 is that people who have been brought to life by Christ are starting to fall asleep and live as zombies again. 1999 there was a hit movie with keanu reeves anyone may remember the matrix yeah okay i'm not the only one um it was a huge hit and they actually just released the fourth one like last year i haven't seen that that one um i saw the first three i wished i had stopped after the first one but um so the premise of this franchise the matrix if you're not familiar with it is that there is a war between machines artificial intelligence and humans and the machines have basically won by putting the humans to sleep they um the humans like ha- have these ports on the back of their heads where they're like plugged in to a computer matrix so their brain is like plugged into this computer that simulates reality for them so they think they're alive and they're actually just dreaming and they're in these little pods just dreaming you know like this thinking that they're alive and having conversations and all this stuff but they're they're not they're just asleep and the machines do this because they are feeding off the bioelectricity of the humans so they're basically using the humans as batteries. And um, some humans, though, they start to, like, sense that the reality isn't right. You know, it's glitching and things like that. And and so they wake up and they unplug themselves from the matrix. And with the help of freed humans, you know, they, like, go and get rescued. That's the basic premise. The problem is life outside the matrix is very bleak. Like the sun's been blackened out. You know, it's extremely dangerous trying to rescue people. The ones that get freed go back and try to rescue more, but their lives are always in danger. And um and it's just depressing. Like ninety percent of the human population, about seven billion. As far as the eye can see, there's just these little pods of humans in them, you know? I mean, it's depressing. And so some actually go back to the machines and ask to be plugged back into the matrix so they can just fall asleep and dream petty dreams and have their life slowly sucked out of them. That's the problem of chapter five. That people have been awakened by Christ and yet the darkness of the world causes them to fall back asleep. Verse fourteen says, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul was under a lot of stress when he wrote this, when he wrote Ephesians. He was, in fact, in chains. At the very end of Ephesians, um, he writes this in in chapter 6. He says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me. So I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I will declare it fearlessly as I should. He was in chains. And I get the feeling that Paul wrote Ephesians as much for himself as he did the Ephesians. That sitting chained in a Roman prison You know, it just wasn't easy to have courage and be like, yeah, God has empowered me to be a light to the world. You know, it was probably a lot easier to doubt. A lot easier to believe like that God had abandoned him and he's just barely surviving, eking out day to day. What do you do when following Jesus leads you to dark places? Really hard, painful places. Do you stay awake to what God is doing in the midst of that darkness or do you let the darkness just lull you back to sleep? Some of you wake up To disease and physical pain just staring you in the face every morning. Some of you wake up to broken relationships. Financial pressure that's just bearing down. Or a job that just exhausts you. And it's easy to want to go back to sleep. Wake up, oh sleeper rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Sometimes falling asleep, it looks like what chapter 5 describes, numbing the pain with things like drunkenness or sexual pleasure. Sometimes falling back asleep just looks like fixating on those little things we can control, because everything out here is just out of control. So we just try to Control these little things and, and guys, what we can control is only outward appearances. That's it. You know, like what we outwardly look like or how outwardly successful we are. Some of us let's fixate on our careers or we might fixate on our children, our children's outward behavior. So we outwardly look like we have a family that's successful. We get these pictures in our heads of the ideal life and and we can get fixated on trying to achieve these little things and fall asleep to what really matters. Churches do it too. Churches can get fixated on little things like this carpet, okay? Many of you have asked me what's coming next for the carpet. And and that's fine. That's good, right? But, I mean, there's churches that have had arguments over carpet. Or the appearance of worship, what songs we do and don't do, or our bulletins, do we do them or are they a waste of paper? You know, like, we can get fixated on these little things because it's easier to deal with those things than deal with the reality that people are suffering And the more we try to fixate on the things we can control, the more our vision shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until we have fallen asleep to our God-given mission. The picture that Ephesians paints is not of a perfect church, but of a messy one. With all different kinds of people and some are thriving and some are struggling and yet somehow they come together to be a light in the midst of the chaos. I was listening to uh, Danielle Strickland preach and she talked about chaos and how in the Bible chaos is a signal that God is about to do something miraculous. In Genesis 1 In the beginning, the earth is formless and void. And darkness is hovering over the surface of the earth. That word that it's written in Hebrew, from Hebrew that we translate formless, that word, it means chaos, confusion. The the earth was without form. It was just this mess of chaos. And the spirit of the Lord was there. Just hovering over the waters, waiting to birth a miracle out of that chaos. And we see this pattern again and again from Job, who lived with so much pain, he just wished he had never been born. To Joseph, betrayed deeply by his family, his brothers who sold him into slavery. From Naomi whose husband and sons died, and she's living as a foreigner in a hostile nation during a famine. To David, who's being chased by his powerful father-in-law, who's trying to kill him. Over and over again in Scripture, we see God birth beauty out of chaos. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples overwhelmed by the chaos they can't comprehend what judas is about to betray us jesus is talking about dying what this is not what we signed up for we we signed up to follow the victorious messiah that would restore israel i mean like god doesn't lose and surely when we follow god he doesn't call us to lose does he And in the garden of sorrow and chaos, those overwhelmed disciples fell asleep. Just as God was about to do His greatest miracle yet. The chaos is a signal that God is about to do something amazing. But the chaos is scary. It frightens us, we shrink back and we focus on what we can control, or, or we just focus on what gives us temporary reprieve and pleasure from the chaos, and we fall asleep to what God is doing in the midst of it. Back to Ephesians. So Paul he's in chains in a prison and he has a choice, right? He has a choice. He could shrink back in the face of the chaos and the chains and the pain of his life and fall asleep to what God is doing. I mean, if he would just shut up about Jesus for crying out loud, he could go free, right? Hadn't <laughs> he have suffered enough? But Paul stays awake. He wants to see what God is doing. That by chaining Paul, he now can share the gospel with guards and Roman officials and even Caesar. And his testimony is powerful because he's in chains. And he still has hope. That's what makes it so compelling. And that God has chained him to give him time to write these theological masterpieces that will inspire and encourage Christians for thousands of years. And so, at the end of Ephesians, Paul he doesn't go out on a, a timid note. He writes, "Guys, put on the armor of God, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. So we got to belt up with a buckle of truth, right? And or the belt of truth, buckle up with the belt of truth. I'll get it yet." <sighs> And he tells us to protect ourselves with salvation and the shield of faith and righteousness. And we got to pick up the word of God and pray against all that tries to beat us back down into the matrix of the zombie life. And so then Paul says, for me, pray also that whenever I speak, The words will be given to me that I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray for me. I'll declare it fearlessly as I should. You don't want to fall asleep. as I know that there are some among us who are really struggling. Like no joke. I don't know, and I cannot claim to know what God is going to do in the chaos of your life. But I do know He will bring something beautiful from it. And if I I know if you stay awake to Him, you'll see a miracle. And I also know that the best way to stay awake to what God is doing is to stay together. Look at with me back in Ephesians 5 verse 14. For it is a light that makes everything visible. And that is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then. How you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, this is not a series of unrelated little one-off verses. There's a progression here that Paul is making. He's saying, wake up. See what God is doing. Make the most of every opportunity. How do you do that? By being filled with the Spirit. Great. How do we get filled with the Spirit? By worshiping together. That's what singing songs is and speaking to one another with hymns and spiritual songs. It's, it's worshiping together. And it's the worshiping together that helps fill each other up with the Spirit of God so we can stay awake and make the most of what He's doing Even if it seems like chaos. And and that's why it's so important to gather together for worship. Because even if I am struggling and I feel like the light of Christ is just being suffocated by the chaos in my life. I can come to worship and see the light of Christ in you. And how God is working in your life and it breathes hope and reignites the light of Christ in me. And when I am strong, I still come. Because the light of Christ in me may help encourage you when you are suffering. A match by itself does not burn for long. But together they can ignite a mighty flame. And some people will think, you know, I'm, oh, I'm doing good. My life's good. It's okay if I'm really at church, you know, like sporadically when I'm not on vacation or doing something more fun. Look guys, I I don't want to guilt anyone. That's not my heart. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say that coming together in worship is not just a matter of your need. It's also a matter of who needs you. The difference between followers of Christ and people who do not follow Christ is, is not that, you know, we don't suffer. I don't know if anyone ever told you that, that if you like give your life to Christ and follow Him that He will take care of all your problems. That's just not true. It's just not true. Um, A lot of people on TV say that. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's not an easy path. The difference between those who follow Christ and those who do not follow Christ is that when we suffer, we have hope. That's it. We have hope in the midst of our suffering. We know it's not just the cross, it's also the resurrection. We know it's not just the path of suffering and the cross and getting beat down till we feel like we're three days dead in a grave. Resurrection is coming. That's the difference. And yes, the world is in chaos. And yes, it can be overwhelming. But instead of trying to numb the pain with hedonistic pleasures or fixating on what we can control, we gather together to be filled with the spirit of the living God and hope. And to ignite the light of Christ in one another. So that we go out and we can shine brightly, not perfectly, but brightly. Brightly. And one by one, people are attracted to the light and hope of Jesus. That's who we are. Together, not alone. We are the body of Christ. As I was reviewing this message this morning, I just got an impression that maybe we needed to pray for one another today. And um, so I'm going to pray and the worship team will come up and they will start worshiping the Lord. And we're going to sing songs and hymns and speak spiritual songs to one another or whatever. We're going to worship together. But if you need prayer, come forward. You can come while they're singing. And, And I'll pray with you. My husband, Eric, will come, too. We'll we'll pray with you, just quietly, while other people are singing and worshiping the Lord. But come forward. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If If you can't kneel, that row right there is open. All right. But let us pray for one another and help ignite the light of Christ in one another. As you pray with me now, Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you do not leave us without hope in this chaotic world. And God, we pray that we would be imitators of you. We pray that we would live as children of light. And God, we pray when the chaos of the world starts lulling us back to sleep, that your spirit would wake us up and the light of Christ will shine upon us. God, help us make the most of every opportunity and teach us how to be your church to out in the world, but also to one another, to how to be the body of Christ to one another and speak to one another and pray to one another and sing to one another and build one another up in you. God, I pray you'll just strip out the pride of not asking for help or not wanting to admit that we need prayer. Help us humbly Submit and support and raise up one another. God, fit us with your armor. Fit us with your armor. Buckle us up with truth. Remove the lies we have believed. Teach us how to walk in righteousness and peace. And give us great faith, Lord. Fill us with your word and your spirit. And may we not give up on prayer, but again and again, even as we sang earlier today, that we will fight on our knees for the battle belongs to you, God. Make us a people of prayer.